Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Today's pod is also brought to you by Chosen One, a lifestyle brand of the nerd and famous, promoting academic hustle, street culture, and the geek life. Inspired by pop with a dash of retro goodness, Chosen One evolves with a future with a mission to provide a positive and empowering brand that flips the script for nerd kind. Check out their website at www.thechosenone.com. That's one with a W. To see their plethora of merchandise, including hoodies, shirts, hats, and more. Available in men's, women's, and kids' sizes. Chosen One, the future of nerd kind. everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 45. Today we're going to be going over what we've been watching, a topic of the week submitted by a listener, and then we're going to be doing a review of the new Tim Burton Disney film, Dumbo. So without further ado, let's get into what we're watching. Hey, what you watching? So, time to take a look at seeing what we've been watching. Marco. Yes, sir. What have you been watching, sir? I've been watching a show called The Orville, which usually airs on Fox, but I've been checking it out on Hulu since I've been ignoring Hulu for quite some time. Well, not really. I've caught a a couple of shows and programs on there, so I'm I'm making more use of it. I I need you to make more use of it. (laughs) I've tried to. Quality programs on there. The Runaways is on there. Gotham's on there. They're all waiting for you, sir. Yep. I noticed. Yeah, I know. I gotta do it. I will eventually. I know. I know. We'll we'll talk about why I've been distracted later on in this episode. But uh, it's the Orville. It's a sci-fi adventure slash comedy, and it was created by Seth MacFarlane, who's best known for creating uh, Family Guy, and it stars Seth MacFarlane as the character Captain Ed Mercer and Adrian Palicki as Commander Kelly Grayson, and she's actually from. The first John Wick movie, she was one of the assassins that was trying to kill him in the, in the motel room. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's also um, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's also from the TV show Friday Night Lights that was based off the movie and the book. So the show is about the USS Orville, an exploratory ship from Earth led by Captain Ed Mercer, who's played by Seth MacFarlane, as I mentioned. Uh, and they face intergalactic challenges 400 years in the future. That's basically the gist of it. The, the show is essentially... A spoof, quote unquote, on Star Trek, the TV show. And I heard it does movies. a good job, though. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm actually really liking it. How and far are you into this show? I binged the entire first season. There's two seasons right. on Hulu right, right now, and the third season, I'm not sure where it premieres, but it got greenlit for a third season. Oh, cool. I, the trailers don't really do it justice because yeah. I saw the trailers and I sort of him and Hod, and I was like, mm, I yeah, I gotta gonna... say, it looks kind of cheesy, but. It's it pays a lot of homage to Star Trek, both the original TV show, the movies, and even more specifically the Next Generation universe, which includes Star Trek: The Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. And it modernizes it. It's edgy. It's funny. It's smart, and it's bold too. It it doesn't 
pull its punches and the themes that it brings up are are very much relevant to today um the comedy is also on point too like i said uh, if you watch a trailer the comedy is going to look kind of corny or cheesy but watching the show it 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 meshes well and it works with the narrative. Because I mean, just looking at the trailers themselves, I always thought it was like, was it like a Family Guy trying to be a Star Trek kind of thing? It looked you like know? a spoof off of Star Trek, and I seen like the first three episodes, and I was not a fan. Really? So, okay, I want to say then that's what I was gonna kind of lead into. The first three episodes are a little rough, although I do appreciate the themes in the second and third episode that they start exploring. Uh, different alien cultures right. and it, it, they're intertwined and embedded with uh, common tropes and themes that are relevant to today's times. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. However, yeah, the comedy is a little rough in the first three episodes. I want to say after the fourth episode going to the season finale of season one is really good. Okay. And so far, the first episode of season two is also very well. Nice. Uh, you, you get to explore the characters a lot more. They evolve. Uh, everyone is generally human in this. Uh, I mean, unlike Star Trek, where everyone can seem kind of more, I want to say like wise and kind of like... Stoic. Sto- yeah, very stoic. Thank you, Nabil. These people react kind of more like regular people would react, even as professionals. Like It, it just makes more sense. And it's kind of how I think a Star Trek show should be. Because I've seen some episodes of Star Trek Discovery, and although I did kind of enjoy it, I can see how it's a little bit behind times, how that format just doesn't work for our our day and age right now. Versus the Oroville, I see it more as a Star Trek show. It's it's just a nice blend of, of a little bit of everything. So if you're a fan of sci-fi and comedy or anything that Seth MacFarlane does, I highly recommend it. Again, it airs on Fox, but if you don't want to catch it there, check it out on Hulu. It's a Marco recommendation. Uh, the other show I've been watching, or yeah, actually I haven't finished it yet, but it's actually a documentary. It's called The 90s, which is a documentary created by CNN, and it's it follows the, the long series called the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, because they've, they've done one pretty much on every decade. Right. Basically, it's a TV documentary miniseries chronicling trends in pop culture and important events that took place from 1990 to 1999. And it's interesting. I'm enjoying it. It explores changes in media, music, and TV, American politics, uh, advancements in computers, and even the rise of the internet. Um, it's crazy to get a snapshot from that era of my childhood because you all know I'm old as fuck. Um, <laughs> CNN probably does add a little bit of their own spin to it, which is probably my only qualms with it. But I would say that it's still worth it just to kind of see all the relevant events that occurred there, including... Um, the uh, the Gulf in the, per- the 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 Gulf War, which was like a huge part in the early '90s, and just to kind of get like a glimpse, you know, from the outside as as far as like what occurred, and even some inside information as well, because it's decades later and the, that information can be revealed. Um, but even more so to see how television shows have improved from then until now, and how like our pop culture has been. Uh, heavily influenced over the years. It's it's just pretty interesting to see that kind of stuff, especially now. Um, and I know I'm probably sounding like an old fart right now just talking about all this shit, but if you're into these types of documentaries, um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Tom Hanks is one of the producers of the show, which is pretty cool. That's neat. So um, I think I'm probably going to end up checking up some of the other ones in some of the other decades. And they just recently released one called The 2000s, yeah. which I'm probably definitely going to check out. <laughs> 
So nice. it's on Netflix right now. If you're interested, it's only seven episodes. I'm on the sixth right now. So I'm enjoying it. So if you like this type of information, I suggest go check it out. But. Yeah, and I'd like to add too, because I've actually watched a few of those episodes on, on those versions. And I think they're better than VH1's take on like I Love series, where they, like I love the 90s, I love the 80s and stuff. Oh, definitely. Um, because they a do kind of give their. Probably, right? Yeah, because they give that kind of new spin on it too. So they make it more relevant and not just pop culture, but they talk about a lot of events that happen that were kind of glossed over in the VH1 series. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Tom Hanks helped with, you know, the political aspect of things. It's very good adding on to that too i will say it, it does feel pretty well balanced it doesn't really sway one way or another i think it's pretty centered very lightly which, which is what i enjoyed Agreed. about it yeah. so i was worried about the fact that cnn was the one that created the show however i, I do think that they do a great way of balancing things out yeah. throughout the series so pretty neat you've got a very eclectic taste of uh, shows going on Oh yeah, uh-huh. trying trying to uh, hone into my internet bill right now. <laughs> oh, God damn. So, what well, about what about you, James? Let's go what to have, the ringer here. What uh, have you been watching? Okay, guys. So I watched a couple movies and TV shows. I finally finished the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I'm all ready for Endgame, which nice. we have tickets for, by the way. So we'll oh, be seeing it that. Was, it was rough, but I, I was on the edge of my seat waiting for James to see the text. It's like we were some of the lucky ones. Like, please wake up. Yeah. It's five in the morning. Just wake up for love of God. Um, I saw the comedy from last year, The Spy Who Dumped Me, and wow, what a fucking train wreck. Yeah. Uh, Nabil, you said, you talked to me on Facebook on this mm-hmm. one, you said that you fell asleep a couple times. Yeah, and you know, I fall asleep during movies, but no. I was at home trying to watch this film. Dude, this is a bad movie. Could not. Could Basically, not this it. stars uh, Mila Kunis as a, um, she, I mean, truthfully, they don't tell you really what she does, by no. the way. You ever notice that? Yeah. She kind of works at like a Trader Joe's, I think, because she's wearing like the getup. Yeah. And I think that's supposed. To- <laughs> I, I didn't even catch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they do in the movie. Yeah, so basically, she is a she dumps her ex boyfriend and finds out that he's a spy, and then along with her best friend, played by Kate McKinnon, they go on like a wild zany adventure. I mean, that's all I really want to talk about it. It's it was, a very it was, interesting premise. Like, no, it has I mean, build up for it. Kind of, it is, but the thing is, the build up to it is terrible. The first yeah. like 30, 40 minutes in the movie. I thought it was super sloppy. It just doesn't set up the movie t- correctly, and I think they rely too much on like over-the-top violence to try to get like a cheap laugh, kind of. And I'm not one to really complain about violence and showing someone get their head shot off or whatever, but <laughs> this one seemed like too gory. I was like, this is just... This just was unnecessary, basically. <laughs> Were all the funny scenes shown in the trailer? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I was expecting it to be like spy. I don't think I even laughed, man. That, that uh, spy movie. Um, called Spy, I think it was. Oh, Spy is yeah. much better. That's what I was expecting. With Melissa McCarthy? Light, right, with yeah. Melissa McCarthy. And um, no, not even close. Yeah, this movie tries to do that, yeah. but it's just, I don't think Mila Kunis can hold a lead role, truthfully. So... I, know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't like. <laughs> I'm just you know, she's it. done bad moms, and and I mean, she's done. She's cool because too, the other two ladies help her out in that one yeah. too. Okay, she was in Black Swan, but well, she's a side character. She's a supporting character. But yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is that like in this film, she just doesn't come off as as nice because she seems a little mean in this one. Where Kate McKinnon seems funny, but they kind of overuse her. She's overused too, yeah. man. And I if think you don't like Kate McKinnon, you're gonna hate her in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's just super kate i don't, I don't mind time. a character being like mean in a movie or a tv show but right. if it's done right there's one difference if it's done right versus if it's done dude wrong. if you see this one you would be like kill me now <laughs> no it was and by the way it's two hours long yeah, this movie does not need to be two hours long no not at all it's about 35 minutes too long 
Yeah, it's a comedy too. Most comedies don't run over Nothing an hour even and a half. Happens for the first hour, and that's when the plot actually kicks in. So I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what they meant to do." But uh, for the most part, I rented it for ninety nine cents, and I would recommend not not checking that one out, guys. Um, I also went back and I rewatched the nineteen eighty nine Pet Cemetery movie, which, uh, awesome. as you guys know, there's a remake coming out this Friday actually, and this is based on the Stephen King novel. And uh, have you guys seen this one before? A long time ago. Yeah, I haven't seen it, I want to say, in over 10 years. Yeah. I don't think I've seen this since I was like a kid then, basically. And it was bits and pieces of it. I always remember the stupid cat. <laughs> yeah, same. So basically, this movie is about a doctor moves into a small town in Maine. His name is Louis Creed. He moves in with his wife and his uh, little son and then his daughter as well. And they meet a kind of a their neighbor, I guess. His name is Judd Crandall. It's played by Fred Gwynn, who played... Um, uh, it was in the Munsters, by the way. He was Frankenstein. Yeah, I remember him. Kind of cool. Yeah, and actually, he was my favorite character in this whole movie. So I want to say, from what I remember, he was the best character. Yeah, no, he's cool. He kind of tells them like, "Hey, they, they live by like a interstate that's hella busy and shit." So like, all these kids' pets die on this yeah. road. You would think someone put a fucking speed bump after a while, because <laughs> there's a quote unquote pet cemetery right by where the kids have buried their animals, and it's it's sort of creepy. Well, but that's there's no actually, story, bro. That's actually not even the purpose of the whole thing. There's actually an Indian burial ground beyond that. So one day their cat dies. His name's Church. And Judd's like, I don't think, I don't know if he's just like that crazy old ass dude. He's like, hey, let's bury this bitch. So they go grab the cat, put him in the Indian burial ground. Next day, Church is back, but he's all cut up and shit, you know? Wait, they, they do that knowingly? Yeah. Yeah. But, but they know that the burial ground brings the pets back. The barrow ground is legend? beyond the pet cemetery. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because technically the pet cemetery has nothing to do with this movie. Not even a little bit. So it's funny because the judge is doing it because he's like, I just don't want your daughter to be sad because her cat died and all this crap. Because he's got a heart of gold. Yep. And so what happens basically is the cat comes back, but it's not the same. It's very different. It's very violent. It's it's creepy. Uh, I mean, I'm going to spoil the movie here for you guys. Sorry, it came out 30 years ago. But Lewis's son dies, basically. He gets yeah. hit by a truck. Yeah. His name's Gage. So this is where uh, it gets a little dicey for me on the movie. From this point forward, I, I wrote this on Twitter. When the kid dies, <laughs> dude, I swear to God, they flip like the the 1989 switch. Man, the acting goes fucking south. It is <laughs> hilarious, guys. When the kid died, I started fucking crying from laughter. <laughs> like the serial killer in me from Mikey last week just it ingrained in me guys there's a funeral someone gets punched the fucking uh the fucking uh what's it called the casket falls over and they're, they're just yelling at the sky and shit i was like whoa what happened this is easily becoming my favorite is, movie is it the dad yelling it's a mixture of the dad and the mom yeah, the mom's that, just crying and that, shit for no that reason actor, that actor the only thing he did during like the early 90s was a show called time tracks i don't remember which him. I, dale I, dale midkiff i don't remember him at yeah, all so yeah, he plays darian lambert a cop from the future it makes show, sense now. So, yeah. Uh, so basically, it gets a little insane because basically Lewis decides to bury his son in the Indian burial ground, much to Judd's advice to telling him, "Hey, don't do that," because they did that once before, and the guy came back and it was like a zombie and shit. But Lewis does it, does it anyways, and sure enough, Gage comes back, and the reason why I didn't like part of this movie too is when gage comes back he, it's just like they put like white makeup on the kid it looks <laughs> so bad because dude for the most part the makeup in this movie looks pretty good it's right. very violent like there's a scene near the end that's like holy shit this is crazy 
But the kid doesn't talk when he comes back, right? Or yes, did, he does. Or he he does? definitely does. Okay, all right. He starts welding a fucking knife, and he starts killing people. It's fucking bizarre. So Anyways, Chucky. Right. There's about 10 minutes of the movie I didn't tell you about. I would recommend <laughs> you guys check it out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Overall, I mean, it's, it's cheesy, but it did set it up for the new one for me. I hope they stick to it to a point but also i've i've apparently the the earlier reviews the new one's quite good so so that's yeah well considering the trailer spoils almost everything in that movie i've only uh i only i mean and then my review i guess of the old one <laughs> but um i only saw the first one i didn't watch the second one remember the trailer uh-huh. for the new one um but yeah that's all i've been watching there's been a couple other but uh what about you nabo what have you been watching i've been a little busy as always Okay, so let's move on to our review of Dumbo. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, Dumbo. It's hard, hard it's to watch running, It's the running guys. joke. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, but you've been watching a couple of things, though. I have been. Well, I've been watching. I did watch a show that just actually ended. It, it surprisingly ended this season, and um, it really wasn't expected. And it got better over time, for me at least. Uh, that show is called Crashing. That's on HBO. It was... Uh, Starring Pete Holmes, the comedian, um, he's done quite a few funny things actually, and um, like the Pete Holmes show, and he's done a lot of guest appearances on other movies as well. Yeah, he's he's funny, dude. Yeah, I like that guy. Um, honestly, my wife is a big fan, and that's the only reason I even started watching it is because she introduced me to the show. Um, it's based essentially kind of like a biography, kind of on his life. It's about a New York comic. He's forced to make a new start for himself after his wife leaves him. Um, and so he's just trying to, which actually up. happened by the way, but yeah, yep. exactly. So it's, it's kind of loosely based on himself. And, um, you know, at first I started watching it and I'm going to be honest with everybody. If you haven't already figured out listening to 45 podcasts, <laughs> I'm a little prude sometimes. So I'm not, <laughs> no way. Not I mean, really into Marco, certain did things. You double no, check your I, map. Too. What? Let me see. Let me check my notes here. Oh, yeah, he's right. Oh, shit. I didn't even notice. Crazy, right? Slow shows. Yeah, no, yeah. What about it, dude? (laughs) Well, he, Pete Holmes' comedy, a little raunchy for me. The show is a bit more graphic than I expected it to be. It's just more on the the sexual side of things, Um, just because I didn't expect it. Um, He's a divorcee, bro. I mean, yeah, that's really what it is. Gotta get it, bro. But <laughs> his it, heart's broken, dude. He's gonna mend it somehow. I mean, he's finding himself ways around mending his heart. And that's not all he's finding. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm intrigued. And it's you know it's on HBO, so they like to to be a little liberal about certain things. No, of course. But um, the comedy is actually funny, at least for me. I, I when I was watching it, I didn't. He they show him a lot doing his little stand up bits, and I think it's pretty funny. The situation, I think, I really got into it kind of second season and and, uh, and the third season. Um, for instance, there's a story arc about he's trying to find his brand of comedy and he um, decides to go and do church comedy, which apparently is a thing where he'll go to churches and do kind of cleaner, yeah, you know, bits for, for churchgoers. And he, he has to one of the... I want to claw my eyes out just thinking, <laughs> imagining that. <laughs> Sorry. And so what he does is he has to go visit his family who is very big in their, their church and um, does a show and he's with this new girl and this new girl is a little bit well not as religious we'll just say so she doesn't really kind of get the formalities of going to church and you know his kind of clean humor in that sense and she though she thinks it's funny um, she's having kind of a tough tough time with the family and relating and it's funny because he's telling these jokes and trying to be squeaky clean but as soon as he gets out He's he's pretty raunchy with his family and his his girlfriend and everything and it's it's kind of shows a stark contrast about 
who who his uh, comedic side is versus who he is as a person and the right. situation he gets to. Um, there's a bit with uh, John Mulaney in one of the episodes where they show John Mulaney as a, as a jackass, essentially. And he kind of goes and says, everybody knows me as a good guy. And I just don't want anybody to think that I'm a bad guy. So I need you to get your shit fucking straight, you know? <laughs> and so it's so they're like this little thing where he deals with different uh, comedians. Artie Lang is in it um, for like the first season. Ray Romano shows up. Um, a lot of interesting different comics. And, and it, it is a very well done show. And I started appreciating it more the show um, kind of continued on. It ended on a really good note, kind of like as a, a almost happy ending. Um, though it wasn't intentional because they didn't expect it to end. Um, yeah, I wasn't even aware it got canceled. Yeah, it just suddenly got canceled. They just said they weren't going to renew it. Um, but HBO does that a they lot. Do, yeah. they, they have a short a leash chance, on on TV shows. I just I I can't you know. And again, I think my wife heard because uh, she was the one who was really into it, and I kind of was dismissive at first. But um, it it is actually worth watching, and I think if you haven't had a chance i recommend it's only like 29 minutes or so to watch it so i think you should spend the time and go on hbo and it's you know 10 episodes each season for three seasons definitely worth a, a watch to see something a little different nice nice so. um and the only other thing that i've been doing and hence the reason why i haven't had a lot of time is uh i've been playing this game called uh, tom clancy's the division 2 i've never heard of this game yeah the bill Have it's you not it's not like I've been spending uh, countless hours playing this fucking game, which is also why I haven't been watching a lot of TV. Yeah, it's it's been difficult to put in the hours that I want in this game, but um, we've tried to kind of squat up a little bit and, and spend time playing these games. Although I haven't, I feel like I haven't played with Michael yet. No, no, we haven't. No. I, I, James and I were no. playing a little bit last night, actually. Don't reveal it to them, our sweets, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, the game is a uh, kind of like an RPG shooter, a third-person shooter, and... Um, if you're not familiar with that, it's essentially you can you have a character that you try to level up, and the mission is, is that the world is set in kind of like a burned on fire. There was a virus and an outbreak, and people have died. And these special agents are have been activated by the government to help kind of uh, create some law and order from other people that are creating chaos. Yeah, it's post-apocalyptic survivor yeah type of storyline. And this game is set in Washington D.C. And you just there's. You can do so much. You have a lot of just, just a lot of time that can be spent on it, trying to level up, find little nooks and crannies. And as James always likes to point out, when I try to play anything with him, this is the kind of game where I get frustrated because I want to stop in every room and go look for something, um, just in case. <laughs> it's like let it go, Nabil. <laughs> There's no go. loot in there, Nabil. But you never know. Hold up, guys. This is where the secrets are. <laughs> Yeah. Um, fun game though it is it is a fun game and um, i bring it up only just to say that we we uh like to kind of every once in a while get together and play some of these games and in this particular one it's just kind of fun to be able to to be in a level together and essentially like squat up and try some you know find a time to do this and i recommend for anybody who you know any of the listeners of the pod who don't have any uh uh friends online that they'd like to play with they can always you know Tweet at one of us, and we can try to jump online. Absolutely, with them. We, yeah, yeah we'd, yeah. Be, we'd be definitely down to play. Wow, we'd be definitely down to play. I can't talk, but <laughs> yeah, it's it, not, it, we do play on Xbox, by the way. Yeah, it, it is a very much a fun game. The see this sequel, I want to say, is very, um, it's refined. It's, yeah, especially it's more from refined the first one. So, and it, it's it's heavily influenced by um, multiplayer. Like you you definitely want to squad up with people and not play by yourself. It's much more difficult to play by yourself, as I've learned. Yes. 
the yeah. hard way as opposed to the first game which i think True. you could solo the whole, whole thing so i want to say if i if i really want to get nitpicky i want to say some of the dialogue in this game is a little bit cheesier than the first one you, you don't can, play you can the tell if, no even the but, first one is pretty cheesy this one's <laughs> way more noticeable mm-hmm. but the gameplay is really good the action is great the graphics especially for playing in 4k looks fucking phenomenal and it's just so much fun and a nice group bonding experience as well to just play with your friends and squad up and Go be good guys for for a night. Yeah, I think it's funny, fun experience. Okay, so that is everything we've been watching. There, let's move on now to our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. All right, so this time around, we decided to do something different with our topic of the week, and we had you guys, our listeners, choose a topic for us. And it came down to one brought to you by at underscore mind your manners. And his topic for us was what's your favorite movie from the 1980s? And we're using 1980 through 1989 as a reference. So basically, we're just going to go around the table and break down what our favorite movie from the 80s is. Let's start off here with uh, James. What's your favorite movie from the 1980s? So my, I mean, truthfully, going through this one was a little tougher than I thought because I right? guess I like quite a few movies so from many the 1980s. Good movies in the 80s. Yeah, so I went with something that is an absolute classic and something that I've watched maybe like 20, 30 times ever since I was a kid too. Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. No, I chose the Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. In this city, there's crime on every street, but one man has seen enough. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend... Everyone should have a friend like you. ...is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better, he's welcome back at police squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. His girlfriend asked him to look her up. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. So this movie is uh, it was released in 1988, same year as Born, and it is directed by David Zucker. And the quick little synopsis here on IMDb is in- incompetent police detective Frank Drebin must foil an attempt to assassinate Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> so, have you guys seen this one? I'm assuming you guys have, yeah. right? Many times. Uh, this is absolutely one of my favorite comedies. Um, I really, really grew up in an era where I guess I just really liked Leslie Nielsen a lot, too. Yeah. And, um, I mean, when he actually died, that would actually hit me pretty hard. I was like, man, I love that guy. Like he was just in so many memorable movies. Oh, yeah. So, the these, it's... Few it's, years. It's a lot of those parody films that he did, and but Naked Gun was like his series, which, yeah. I mean, all three, actually, I really like all three of them, and they're just super ridiculous, but they have the type of humor that kind of molded me into the person I am today with the jokes that I, I like, and it's not all slapstick. It's kind of... Some of it's kind of a little over the edge or it's just it's just funny even today like a movie that came out 31 years ago i can still laugh at the jokes so um that's my pick for 1980s basically because this movie i would recommend if you've never seen it by the way 
definitely check this movie out. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's a really check. good series. I mean, the first one's definitely really good, but the sequels that follow it, I, I agree, James. They're, they were actually uh, quite memorable. And Leslie Nielsen really was like ahead of his time with his with the type of comedy that he presented. Oh yeah, and, and it was it was the the Zucker crew really that wrote these things. Yeah, right. same people that did like Hot Shots Part Two and like, um, I mean Hot Shots, fucking mm-hmm. Airplane, all this stuff, man. So it's that kind of humor. So if you've never seen it, you know, check it out. And I mean, don't be afraid that OJ Simpson's in the movie. <laughs> He's funny. I mean, it was many, many years ago. They didn't know he killed someone then. So. Yeah. Well, he hadn't killed anybody. Allegedly, the allegedly. allegedly, 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 allegedly. We're not, allegedly. We're, we're not, we're not crossing that one. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Nabil? Oh, mine should be a, a no surprise there for anybody. But uh, my favorite movie from the eighties was like Dances with Wolves. Came out in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> also, a very good movie. No, it's, it's, it had to be one with George Clooney. So, oh, I wish. I was like, from yeah. Dust Dawn. Movies in the eighties. Batman and Robin came out in 97. <laughs> uh, my other heartthrob, uh, Harrison Ford, is in this film. Indiana Jones. Actually, Blade Runner. I need your deck. This is a bad one. The worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants. Three male, three female. They slaughtered 20... A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Mr. Deckard, Dr. Eldon Terrell. I don't get it, Tyrell. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. film came out in 1982. um, And we... Did kind of go on it in uh, kind of a full discussion way back in, uh, I believe it was pod number five. Yeah, for Blade Runner four or five. Yeah, yeah, for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. So no, we, no, not even that. We no, did a that we did an special actual... Blade Runner and it for the original it. We did because the following week, like both of the you know sequel slash reboots came out, mm-hmm. so that's why we did it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, this film was directed by Ridley Scott, and um, it's. Oh, kind of over the top premise, but 21st century corporation develops human clones to be used as slaves in colonies outside of Earth. They're called replicants, and in 2019, that's this year. A former police officer is hired to hunt down a fugitive group of Boy, clones were we off. <laughs> living under <laughs> cover in Los Angeles. The original cut of film that was released was uh, not well received. The film itself was See, not well received. See, this is where I would debate you on this one. Do you right. technically like the 1982 I, version? I like it up to like essentially the end of it 1982 one i want to say is the one with the voiceover right yeah okay and so it has a little narration over it yeah. and so there's better cuts of it and there's the ultimate cut and um so many the the final one. cut is the one that's considered the, the director the, the, the right. scott's version yeah yeah, yeah. because and even like the director cut came out what the early 90s right i think a late 90s but yes Isn't that? yeah um, i owned that dvd too that's why and then then the final cut then i think there's another cut there's yep. a lot of cuts in the movie. there's, like, a, there's a lot of cut. it took ridley scott a while to get figure out how he could get it right yeah. because there was a lot of studio intervention but the reason I, I i say that this is my favorite forgetting even just about the story was the concept it was set in the future we yeah. were kind of starting to live up to again like the star wars hype of that sci-fi kind of era and this is more of like a, a neo steampunk kind of looking future it was very dark very gritty um and not too implausible based off you know being in la and how things were set up over there so 
Um, and visually, like the film was pretty stunning for uh, the time as well as, again, 1982. Yeah, um, the sense of realism yeah. really just really shined out in the movie. You know, it's uh, funny. When I first saw this, I actually didn't like it. Really? I thought it was too sci-fi when I was a much younger lad, I guess. Right. But no, I've I've, I've really gr- like grown to really like this movie too. As you guys can hear on our own yeah. podcast. Yeah, when I was a kid, I'm not gonna lie, I was bored with the movie when I was a kid. Yeah, but it, as it's, I, it's very much a story driven uh, movie. And when you're like 10 years old or whatever, like I was when I first saw it, and I was like, I don't, I you know, I thought it was gonna be Star Wars and shit. <laughs> and I was like, what are they doing with emotions? Where are the star? Where are the Star Wars? <laughs> where the, where <laughs> are the Star Wars answers? <laughs> and what, you know, honestly, one of the reasons why I kind of like this film so much is it it is what. It's the film, the gateway film, to make me start appreciating films more instead of just looking at it as a mean of entertainment. This um, was the one? Yeah, this was the one. I had to do a big study on it in uh, high school, um, and it's the first time I'd ever seen it. Nice. And um, it really started showing me you know, the different aspects of what art is as a, in a film and how to use it as a medium. So, um, yeah, I, I hand down one of my That's favorite surprisingly films deep. Yeah. So Marco, what what have you? Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite there for the eighties? My movie for the eighties is one very close to the heart and a very iconic movie, and that is 1985's Back to the Future. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping Tom. So, this movie, like I mentioned, came out in 1985. It's a sci-fi comedy directed by Robert Zemeckis, who you guys might know as the director of Forrest Gump, Contact, and Flight. Uh, it was also co-written by Bob Gale. It stars Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd as Dr. Emmett Doc Brown, Leah Thompson as Lorraine Baines, who plays Marty's mom, Crispin Glover as a weirdo. <laughs> Just kidding. It's fucking true, though. Yeah, it's very true. No, he plays, he plays George McFly, look who's Marty's that, dad. Look at that Letterman interview. Yeah, I, I did. I had nightmares for, for days after watching that. But And then uh, Thomas F. Wilson as Biff Tanner. And the... IMDb description of this movie is Marty McFly, a 17-year-old high school student, is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his close friend, the maverick scientist Doc Brown. So, like I said, this movie is very iconic, and it's very dear to my heart. It encompasses basically everything I feel about the 80s, because there was a lot of stuff that this movie did from the intro scene where you have Marty McFly plug in his guitar and play off a ginormous amplifier. It, it sort of like to me represented the hair 80s bands and metal bands of the time. Um, Hugh Lewis on the news, who was big at the time, is like Sorry, sprinkled but... all over the fucking <laughs> soundtrack of this movie. Uh, and it 
it basically features a DeLorean, which was like a fancy car that just fucking flopped during the 80s. The 80s was just filled with a whole bunch of like tech and uh, just industry that either worked or failed. But on, on top of that, it's also one movie or story that's been parodied in so many different mediums. Uh, Rick oh, and yeah. Morty is actually originally based off of a warped version of Doc Brown and Marty McFly, only instead of traveling through time, it traveled through dimensions. But it's one that when I saw as a kid, I really just was wowed by it. I, I would just sit down and just be just so awed by what I was watching because it just so entertaining yeah um this is a solid trilogy yeah uh it's great music like i said great music it's fun uh the story and the characters are memorable uh but the character of marty and doc their their dynamics the fact that this you know young kid has a a mentor that's a scientist that that was like really freaking awesome him time traveling back to like what's considered a quote-unquote innocent time and the way that they dissect the 1950s and see it really wasn't that innocent of an era and you see that through the adventures and the mischief that Marty gets when he travels back in time and meets his parents when they're his age. In fact, the story was inspired by uh, Bob Gale looking at a yearbook and seeing his dad's uh, high school photo and just wondering, would I have been friends with my dad if I were to travel back in time and meet him? And I thought that was actually That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. But the special effects and... Uh, the uh, the visuals are still like very good. I mean, they're a little aged, but they're still believable. And the story, like I said, is just something just so original and something that wasn't done at the time. I, to me, it like I said, it embodies everything from the '80s, which is why it's one of my favorite movies. All right, so those are our three favorite movies from the 1980s and once again we want to thank you at underscore mind your manners for submitting that topic. We really appreciate it. And yeah, as I mentioned. You. We will we will be d- discussing and going over a few more topics that were submitted by our fans. Uh, but real quick, we're also going to mention a couple of honorable mentions, movies that almost made the cut, but uh, didn't quite, and we still would like to mention. So let's start off with Nabil. What are your two honorable mentions? Well, uh, James did bring up Indiana Jones, and that is definitely one of mine. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was made in 1981, directed by Steven Spielberg, also starring Harrison Ford. But uh, Indiana Jones as a whole is just a great adventure film. And um, it, it's another film that I think uh, still holds up every time uh, watching Raiders. And just awesome. how, how it's set up, just the practical effects, just a fun film every time. The other one is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, made 1988. That was also a film directed by Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis yeah. um, and this stars Bob Hoskins and Christopher Lloyd. Um, what I really liked about this film the most is that this is probably going to be the only film ever that you're going to be able to have uh, both Warner Brothers and Disney characters on the same screen because the whole film was based off this whole Toontown kind of thing. But um, it's just something that if you it, it, it's not talked about enough, I think, um, today. And I think that it's something that people should watch if you haven't already. What about you, James? So my honorable mention, I'm just making them quick here, is the 1980 comedy Airplane. That's directed by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and um, Jerry Zucker. 
It's the Zucker Brothers, so the same uh, guy that went off to eventually do The Naked Gun. Mm-hmm. And that one is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. That's why I wanted to mention it there. I think you guys seen Airplane, right? Obviously. I saw it for the first you time recently because yeah. you, you were like, you have to watch this movie, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a movie where it is so silly, it just works, and it's it's like a premise to like The Naked Gun films. Don't watch the second one, though. It sucks. I mean, there's still some funny moments Just with it, too. Erase it from your memory. But uh, it has some of the greatest quotable lines I've ever heard in my entire life. And also, Leslie Nielsen's in it. Not the main guy, but he's he's a random doctor. Uh, for my second honorable mention, it is the 1986 film Howard the Duck. I'm just kidding. It's the 1986 <laughs> oh, it. film Top Gun, and that is a uh, film about the Top Gun. It's like an elite fighter school, basically. Where they, yeah, there you go. Uh, arguably one of the b- greatest soundtracks in the history of soundtracks. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Loggins. Hello. Yeah, this is directed by the late Tony Scott, and it stars Tom Cruise as Maverick and Val Kilmer as Iceman, just to name a few. And I've seen this movie. My dad was in the Navy, so growing up as a kid, I seen that. I mean, it was probably not even appropriate to watch this movie probably. when I was like four or five years old. Cause I saw soon it really as, young, too. I think I was like five when I saw this movie. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even born when it originally came out, so... It's super 80s to the max, but I love oh, yeah. it, man. The scene where Tom Cruise is just driving down on his fucking motorcycle, and he's just, like, pumping his fist for no reason. And racing the jets. Yeah, it makes no <laughs> sense, dude. And, I mean, the volleyball scene, I mean... Whew. Them short shorts, man. No, I'm just saying Kenny Lockins is good. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it featured the F-14 Tomcat, which is a retired jet, and it looked fucking badass cool. in the movie. Oh, yeah, no, it's guys. awesome. There's just there's saying. parts where the intense is just really intense. So uh, what about you, Marco? Uh, my first honorable mention is 1987's RoboCop, and it is Solid a... movie. Also, yeah, definitely. Um Directed by Paul Verhoeven, it's also a sci-fi movie. Uh, it takes place in the future in a dystopian and crime-ridden Detroit. A terminally ill-wounded cop returns to the force and becomes the cyborg known as RoboCop. So and it's brutal it. as hell. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it stars Paul Weller as uh, Officer Alex Murphy, a.k.a. RoboCop, and Nancy Allen as his partner, and Lewis. Um, this movie actually almost made my top favorite 80s movie just yeah. because of the fact that it yeah. was really ahead of its time uh the themes brought up in the movie about uh consumerism uh gone out of control and corporations basically uh controlling and various elements of our daily lives i think is is something that's like very relevant today as far as like how much is too much power for a corporation to have but uh, like overall it still like holds up in my opinion like just the, the the overall story it seems simple on the surface but if you give it a second or, th- or third watch you will see there's there's much more deeper meaning as to what the director intended to to showcase in this the second honorable mention I have is 1985's The Goonies. And if you've been asleep for the last 30, 40 years, then you need to wake the fuck up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, this movie is basically like an adventure film. Uh, it stars Sean Austin as uh, Michael Walsh and a very young Thanos himself, Josh Brolin, as Brandon Walsh, his older brother. Basically about a group of kids who uh, are going to help their friend, uh, Michael uh, stop his family from losing their house because they find out that there's a uh, buried treasure underneath their home or property, and it's a nice, like, fun adventure film. Um, it's it's also pretty iconic. 
Uh, it's very family friendly because I figured you know I chose two movies that probably <laughs> weren't as family friendly, a little bit more adult oriented, but. Uh, this film still has a lot of heart. Um, it has a lot of iconic moments as well, too. It's very enjoyable. It's fun. And I think it's one that any kid should probably watch. So, yeah, those are my very two fun. honorable mentions. Awesome. Let's move on now to our movie review of Dumbo. Welcome, baby Dumbo. We're all family here, no matter how small. You have something very rare. You have wonder. So, guys, the IMDb description on this is a young elephant whose oversized ears enable him to fly, helps save a struggling circus, but when the circus plans a new venture, Dumbo and his friends discover dark secrets beneath its shiny veneer. This is directed by Tim Burton, who he's done a lot of films, but some of the ones that we chose out, Edward Scissorhands in 1990, Corpse Bride in 2005, Ed Wood in 1994. This stars Colin Farrell as Holt Farrier, Michael Keaton as V.A. Vanderveer, Danny DeVito as Max Medici, Eva Green as Colette Machant, Alan Arkin as Jay Griffin Remington, Nico Parker as Millie Ferrier, and Finley Hobbins as Joe Ferrier. Uh, before we start on this one, guys, what is your history with the original 1941 animated Disney film Dumbo? Starting with you, Marco. Uh, first of all, you left out that Tim Burton did Batman 89, sir. And I'm very disappointed in that. No, I'm <laughs> I mean, just kidding. Dude, Tim Burton's list of films would have been this entire page yes so, I mean, that's that could true be like that could be a whole podcast itself big fish i could be i saw the lot. i saw the original dumbo as a kid man a long long time ago um i want to say it's been at least like 15 years or more since i've seen the original movie gotcha. but when i when i did uh i'd watch it over and over again and i did watch it on vhs tape oh yeah i had the vhs too um and it it was a fun movie for me. I mean, it was obviously like a you know a kind of touching story, but I enjoyed it very much so, and I appreciated the animation in it, especially the scene with the the dancing pink elephants. I thought oh, yeah, it was, kind that of was pretty cool, scene, and yeah. the the colors really shown on uh, in the movie. But the the story overall, I liked it, and it's uh, you know coming from a background where family is close, I th- I thought that it was uh, it's very good. Yeah, uh, what about you, Bill? It's probably been about 15, 20 years since I've seen the uh, original Dumbo film. I, I remember liking it as a kid. Um, the, the, elf, the pink elephant scene was what scared me a lot. Oh, <laughs> it was man. a more kind of creepier part of it. Yeah, I, I actually did enjoy it as a kid. I thought it was a, a pretty solid animated uh, Disney film. Very touching. Yeah. yeah, so for me, I mean, I've seen it quite a few times. I haven't, I've probably, just like you guys, probably been quite, a, quite, a, quite some years, a decade or so. I probably saw it last with my niece. Uh, we have it on DVD, I think, but um, it's a short film. It is a bit dated, of course. Yeah. There's uh, some, I mean, 
choice characters, I guess, that probably wouldn't... I mean, they did not make the new film, obviously. Some racist crows. I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> those guys, but uh, they didn't make the cut. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a different time. It's a colorful film, though. It's one of those movies that um, Walt Disney actually worked on, too. So uh, I don't think it did too well, actually, when it originally came out, though. So it's one of those movies that came out during uh, right before the start of World War II. It's funny. As a kid, did you guys realize that movie came out in 1941? No, not at all. No. I would have been all. like, I think it just came out. Yeah. Someone's like, I mean, it's pretty Yeah, good I thought it came out like in the 80s or the 70s. So it just came, this movie's fucking older than my dad. Like, oh, my God. So That's crazy. Um, overall, I liked it as a kid. It's one of those movies that on VHS, you know, as a kid, too, where you just keep watching the same movie. Like, you can watch it back to back. Kind of gets ingrained in your, yeah. in your brain. So I remember a lot of the stuff. So especially an Elephant Can Fly song and all of that. But um, I mean, overall, it's, guys, it's got a lot of like memorable scenes, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. Definitely. Uh, so, Nabil, I'll start with you here, because I know you want to talk about this. Yay or nay on the movie, on the 2019 version? So, for me, it was a nay. I, I like the interpretation that they took on this uh, on the film from the original, but I just couldn't connect with it. I didn't. Um, I don't know if it, it was just not aimed for me, but I, I didn't find a lot of it emotionally connect, connectable. Nabil, um, you didn't believe you could fly? I did not believe I could fly. I did think Dumbo was adorable uh, in this film. Um, so that was great. And I like Danny DeVito as Max Medici in this film, too. Though I don't think he had a lot to do at the end of the film. So they kind of underused him at that point. But it yeah, it kind of served his purpose. Yeah, for like kind of story, at the beginning. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but the graphics were great. I just, yeah, wasn't for me. Uh, what about you, Marco? Uh, I say it's a yay. It's not a hard yay. There were elements of the movie that felt like a little bit rushed or a little bit, I guess, messy at some points. But overall... I like the story. I thought it was heartfelt. Uh, the message of you can be anything you want as so long as you believe in yourself, I thought was very, like, um, although kind of hammy, I thought it was very clear and I mean, uh, very end, relevant. At the end of the day, it's a Disney film. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the visuals were great. Obviously, it's Tim Burton, and he's known for having, like, you know, these weird and original visuals. I appreciated that. Uh, I do agree. Danny DeVito was good as uh, Max Medici. Colin Farrell, I liked him as Holt Farrier. You know, he, he has a yeah. strugg- struggling single father. He just came back from war. I thought he was really good. Uh, the kids, his his children, um, although likable, I felt like their acting was a little bit lacking yeah. in some parts of the movie. So that's probably some of my qualms with, with the cast. Michael Keaton's character, I don't know. I feel like he comes in a little too late in the movie. And I feel like everything revolving Jay Griffin, uh, not Jay Griffin Remington, but V.A. Vandeveer, I, I felt like was a little kind of rushed. Anyway, uh, like I said, it was a yay, but not a hard yay for me. It was it was good, but it wasn't perfect, in my opinion. What about you, James? Yeah, I'm about the same on that one. Um, it's better than I thought it was going to be. I'd say it's a yay overall. I saw this one with my girlfriend, and we actually saw it in the D-Box format, where the seat moves around and shit, so... Rumble, when he, I mean, it moves. I felt like I was flying that goddamn elephant, <laughs> so... <laughs> It was you weird. Felt like you were Dumbo. I was like, "Am I flying on him?" Dumbo is adorable. I will say that yeah. they did excellent. Yes. The the CGI in this movie is outstanding. Uh, it has that Tim Burton kind of twist to everything too. Where I was I was gonna get into with you guys too, but it's like a darker tone, I guess overall, and it works to a point. But like they added more story to this. There's obviously a lot more story to this than the 1941 version. For sure. So yeah. we have, I mean, first off, we follow human characters, which in the original movie, there are no human characters for the most part. You kind of just roll with it. And it's it's about a, it's Dumbo and the mouse really talking the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And him just kind of figuring out his life and shit. Which but, I was wondering, I was like, is the, is the mouse going to talk in this? No, I had heard talk, ahead but, of time, no talking. But okay. I think that worked. I th- think that worked a which lot worked, better yeah. for this. Yeah. And 
I mean, Colin Farrell, I liked him a lot, too. Uh, Michael Keaton was kind of cool. The reason why I liked Michael Keaton's character, it's like, it's damn near a, um, he's supposed, he's almost like Walt Disney, which is funny kind of, because yeah. Dreamland is practically Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a, the dark, sadistic take of like what this really is behind everything. So I thought that was kind of ballsy of like Tim Burton to do something like that. Yeah. For He's like, these are the guys that hired you, Tim. And he's like, fuck these guys. <laughs> he's like, it's not so pretty place, on the inside. Yeah, this place is evil as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that was truly it. I liked Danny DeVito again. So this is the, um, they have, I mean, they haven't acted across from each other in quite some time. Yeah, uh, it was kind of funny because they were in Batman Returns. So yep. it's also nice to see Danny DeVito not playing a weirdo in uh, for once. Uh, uh, it's it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I've never seen it. So yeah, he's in there and he's weird as fuck in there. So it was kind of nice to kind of see him like revert back to back to like and, a and, actual acting and shit. Yeah, that's cool. And I mean, Michael Keaton's kind of on his Keaton Renaissance lately. So this is just adding to his uh, resume of films that he's been doing. Um, I actually liked Eva Green too. I thought she was going to be a character that was going to be sort of just added because she's in every fucking Tim Burton movie nowadays. But she actually added to it, and I was like, oh, okay. So she's not yeah. just like a person standing around. And I thought the scene with her where she falls down with Dumbo in the net was adorable too. Yeah. Where they're just there. And I was like, Dumbo's like a person. Which, <laughs> real quick, I just realized I didn't say anything about Dumbo. And I agree with you guys, by the way. Dumbo was absolutely fucking adorable. The titular character, and I didn't even say shit about him. <laughs> I feel bad. Dumbo is probably like, no, I agree. The best. I mean, he's obviously the best yeah, part the of best this part of this movie. Yeah, I'll say, uh, adding your the children thing. Truthfully, the children could have got removed for this movie, and yeah, it wouldn't have fine. changed anything. Yeah. Just like he honestly, he could have been looking at the mice for all I care and got the inspiration. Yeah, he's like, how do I figure out how to fly and shit? <laughs> uh, so overall, what did you guys think about? I mean, did the darker tone of the Tim Burton esque kind of um, style, I'll say, work for you guys? I mean, probably not for you, Nabil. I'm assuming. No, honestly, it didn't even really feel like a tim burton film even like esque when i watched it i was like it doesn't i mean it's definitely not as dark as not his the, other films not even the gates of dreamland no. with a little twirl I, that was so tim I mean, burton he's it's got insane. some of the gothic stuff going on but oh definitely but outside outside of aesthetically speaking the story itself it seemed really tame for him which i if you're not a fan of tim burton maybe you'd actually kind of like that you know nabil i agree with you on that i i felt like tim burton held back and i almost i don't I can't confirm this or not, but I almost want to feel like the studio told him to hold yeah, back. And maybe that's Let, why he added Let's that get whole... into this then. Uh, have you guys seen any of the recent Tim Burton movies then? For instance, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, 2016. Big Eyes, 2014. Frankie Winnie, 2012. Dark Shadows, 2012. And Alice in Wonderland, 2010. Yeah, I've seen the, the latter three. Okay, what do I, I think? You? I think Alice in Wonderland is the last one I saw. Okay, so... He hasn't particular. The reason I bring this up is because outside of Frank and Weenie, I want to say, and actually Miss Peregrine did decent, I guess. Uh, he hasn't had a big hit in a while, so maybe that's why the studios. I think probably if I mean per per what Mark was kind of saying, I wouldn't have been shocked if they were like, "Hey, let's make it a little more kitty." You yeah, know? and but, like lighthearted. Like, let's not make it too dark. Yeah, and I, I honestly I didn't have a problem with that because I, as much as I appreciate what Tim Burton's done in the past, I feel like for this movie it would have been a little too overboard if he did. Where it did shine was the quote unquote pink elephant scene where they did it with so like, is that, the bubbles. Is that what really worked for you? Was the 
like homages to the 1941 film? Uh, I want to say the homages and also the what they did with Dumbo himself. It, D- Dumbo was just very adorable, very likable, very lovable. The yeah. fact that he was fully CGI and seemed like very, very real. Um, and I could still connect, connect with, with Dumbo. Uh, I felt like that was done very because, well. Because, I mean, Dumbo doesn't say a single word. Everything's conveyed no. through his actions and his yeah. eyes and stuff. And I think it, they do a really, really good job doing that. But Yeah. But uh, the uh, the whole Tim Burton darker thing, it didn't bother me too much. And, yeah, I, I say that it actually flowed better for this type of version of the film. So what, what, you, what about you, James? I mean, yeah, for the most part, I, I agree with you guys on that, too. It doesn't work to the max because it's not very Tim Burton-esque. There are certain aspects of the movie that, I mean, just the characters themselves, I'd say, are a little bit Tim Burton-esque. Kind of circus. Well, kind of, I mean, so they're like, oh, look at the freaks and shit. And then they have the, it reminds me of Big Fish a lot, by the way. Really? Yeah, a lot of like the different, I mean, because there's a circus in there too. Right, right. So a lot of those scenes remind me directly of Big Fish. So that's why maybe I connected with that a little more. Nice. I want to move into like what worked for the most part and what didn't work. I'm just going to kind of jump with what Mark was saying. I think Dumbo really works in this movie, which is good because technically, I mean, he is the main focus of this movie. That's why we're watching the movie, guys. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are probably like, why the fuck did they do Dumbo? I'm like, we got to mix it up a little bit. Look at us. Movie pals filled with so much wisdom. They don't call us that for nothing. Trying to mix it up a little bit. But what didn't work, I think pacing on this movie is what hurts it the most. Yes. Truthfully, I mean, just going off of what Bill's saying, too, I think near the end of the film especially, it gets a little sloppy. Uh, I'll talk about it in spoilers, of course, about why in those particulars, but for me, that's what didn't really work too well. So. Well, see, that's, that's what I was saying, too, with the whole Van Duvier sub, like, subplot. Like, I felt that that was introduced way too late in the movie, and it was rushed and wasn't handled as well. The other thing I don't think that was handled well was, I, as much as I appreciated Ava Green's character... Her whole story, I think, was kind of rushed at the end as well, too. It's all, and I mean, it's all kind of thrown at you pretty quick. At the yeah, end. The, like the first few, like, the first half of the movie where it's just all about like Dumbo being introduced and everything like that and what's going on with the circus and its woes, that was done pretty well. Yeah. Um, it was a little and, slow, but it still flowed pretty and well. And truthfully, those are the sections that are based right on the cartoon. That's yeah. Too, so. But um, but yeah, the as far as like what didn't work, I want to say that last half, that pacing, or maybe not even half, maybe maybe like more like thirty minutes left yeah. in the movie, wasn't handled too well, and some of the subplots I felt were a little sloppy. Uh, what about you, Nubo? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the same. It's it just kind of was rushed at the end of it. I will say that though, the set pieces that they had with some with with him flying and some of the situations he's put into that led to him flying, those were really fun. I enjoyed those parts of the film. Um, it's where they tried to give um, like Michael Keaton's character a little bit more depth, or even uh, Evergreen's character more depth. Then it's like, okay, I mean, can we just keep moving forward? I want to see the elephant again. Yeah, yeah. let's just focus no, more on Dumbo. Yeah, but I mean, they had to do it for the plot, I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's move on, guys, to the spoilers real quick. I just want to talk about a couple few things here. Uh, so if you don't want to have the... I mean, there's not much to spoil on Dumbo, guys, truthfully. But if you don't want it spoiled, just skip ahead to our closing thoughts or our uh, what we're going to be talking about next time. So just take a look at our stamps. All right, so back from the spoilers here, guys. One thing I want to bring up here is that... Basically, best and worst parts of the film is probably what we'll go over here. But what are the pl- subplots that you didn't like, Marco? The whole love story between um, Colette Marchant and Holt Farrier. Yeah, it's kind of that was that was super forced. It was, yeah. It's pretty. Forced. And I mean, I, I saw that a mile away too. I'm like, oh, okay, so she hates like, him right now. They're gonna be, end up hooking that's up. It's gonna be a no more. 
me. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, but maybe if she was introduced earlier in the movie and you saw that develop better, that could have yeah. been a better payoff. Um, Do you guys he, think, though, I mean, we probably aren't what this movie's aimed for, truthfully. Know. Yeah. This is like a, it's a kid's film. True. So, I mean, I mean, my theater is packed, and I think all the kids in my theater thoroughly enjoyed this film, mm-hmm. so... Max Medici as well. I agree with you, Nabil. Um, his character is kind of like a throwaway towards the end. I mean, for him to feel so attached to his troop and then... I wanted a better out. He, he, like it, a, exactly. Yeah. There was really like no consequence with him selling out that his That really crew. bothered me because it seemed like he really treated them as a family. Yeah. Um, and then at hey, the end of it, it was like... Oh. I gotta fire him? Yeah. And well, it would have been something, something as simple as him having a scene, firing them, them getting upset, and then at the yeah. end, him fighting for them and then gaining their trust back. Yeah, the something scene with him simple. saying, well, it looks like you have bigger shoes, and then he goes off to eat a hot dog with the one <laughs> dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and then he turns around and he says, you don't really think you'll win, do you? And I'm like, what the fuck is this, Batman Returns? Yeah. And then he's waddling out and shit. <laughs> and black shit come out of his mouth. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here, dude? Why is he eating fish oils? Yeah. And then a, uh, a crew of six penguins grabbed him and put him in the water. I was like, this is weird. This is very weird. Vice Michelle oh, Pfeiffer in this film. I, it, but, was, it was like a crossover event. But um, aside from that, like they, the kids, uh, I also agree with you, James. They they could have been taken they don't add, the movie. They just don't add much to the story. No. I would have actually liked to see like what happened to Holt before. I mean that would have been cool to have a flashback. It's so Tim Burton to have flashbacks, by the way. Yeah. But he held off this time. It. I thought we were gonna see him before, then after the war, and he's like comes back without the arm, and it's like, oh shit, something happened. It's crazy, right? But it's like, no, I guess not. I That's what like, I thought too. Because remember th- the trailer? I even told you I was like, wait, how, when did he lose an arm? I thought he had both. No, but that's his oh, little fake arm. They're oh, showing that's right. in oh, yeah. yeah. See, I. I, I what were you saying, Bill? No, I was just gonna say I feel like there's a, a director's cut hidden somewhere. Um, that he just wasn't allowed to a little more. Yeah. Release the Burton cut. <laughs> Helen and Bottom <laughs> Card is probably in it too. She probably is. But She's back to uh, what we did enjoy about um, the movie Dumbo and his his mom, the relationship, how protective she was of you him. You particularly like that. that scene, right? Oh, yeah, dude. Um, did I fucking lose my shit? Of course I did, man. When he's fucking chasing the, 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 the cart that's holding his mom and he's just like, you know, almost in tears. I was like. Oh man, I need more. Well, actually, this Bill, maybe this movie was aimed towards somebody. <laughs> well, you know, and and the scene right before that, by the way, uh, that guy who's where a she jerk, murders the yeah, other guy died. That's, <laughs> murdered. That's, hey, that's the Tim Burton moment. That, yeah, and and it's it like is. it seemed like a set, set set up to be like, okay, he's going to be a villain throughout the film. He'll probably work with uh, nope. Michael Keaton's character. Nope, killed. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, they but, have to do a reason to get rid of the elephant, yeah. basically. But um, the the like I was saying also about the message part about like not being afraid of of who you are and not letting anybody tell you who you can and can't be like even the shielding that Dumbo's mom was doing on uh, like for him trying to protect him from the world um and then when she's when she's gone and he's able to shine was also like a pretty good image as well too it's like hey and you know, I, sometimes I, you got to take that leap of faith yeah and you know? I, I really like the scene too where he realizes he's like you don't need the feather yeah, it's all it's cool. all in you big boy yes it's although i didn't like that uh the girl uh, Millie just threw away her key into the fire. I was like, uh, that's was the that only the thing worst part of the film? Was that the worst <laughs> part of the film? Yet? I was like, wow, it bothered no. him. It's like, why don't you give it to Dumbo? Maybe he'll be like, oh, and then he Nabil's very materialistic. He's like, why would he get rid of <laughs> the gold? That's gold. <laughs> He's this, like, it's worth a lot. I think there's rubies this on is it. Like the, this is like 1918 or some shit. What the fuck? The 20s, right? What the fuck are you doing? It's worth at least $25 in okay. those times, man. Uh, so, what was your worst part in the movie, Marco? 
just those those subplots, really. Yeah. The subplots with uh, Colette Marchant, uh, how Vandiver's character, like his exposition, really wasn't done so well. The how he just like. He loses at the end and just goes crazy. And I'm yeah, like, I, I'm, like, I don't, I'm like, for for someone who really values fortune and money and materials, I'm like, I can't see this guy yeah, like this. I, I I get what Tim Burton was trying to show that he was like drunk with power and that's why um, he ends up destroying his whole park. But I was like, mm, it's a little over the top. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, but um, I had issues with that. And then the uh, the child acting. Sorry, this is one that didn't win. Right. We we were two for two for a while. I, I, I will say acting. though, for the most part, the children are not that much in the movie though. Truthfully, so that didn't bother me too much. Yeah, because once again, like I said, they could have been removed and it probably would have flowed a little better. Actually, yeah. we'll see them in some other. Also, you know what I didn't like the entire movie? I didn't like the fact that fucking Evie Green's character was riding that goddamn thing. I thought that was weird too. It's like why are you I didn't riding like that. the elephant? And even the kids when they wrote it, and I was like, Dumbo's not an animal like no. that. Yeah. I had an issue with that too. I was like, why? It bothered me a little bit because they don't do that in the other one. I mean, the mouse is in his little yellow hat. All right. I thought at one point he'd get the hat. I was like, damn it. Damn. I was I was hoping that they'd use the, the mice a little bit. Like, he's just kind of with him, even if he doesn't talk. One of the it's mice more of a cameo. Zone, but it's it's yeah, like, it's oh, yeah, the cat mice and shit. They're free. All right. So, overall, guys, any closing thoughts? Uh, just, if, I mean, if you're into family family films or if you want to show your kids a nice movie, go check out Dumbo. You know, it's it's overall, even though it's not perfect, it's still like an enjoyable and fun film. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I had fun with it too. So, uh, Bill, yeah, it's probably same no. thing. It's, oh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's if there's kids, uh, if you've got kids, then I, I say it's definitely worth a watch. And honestly, Dumbo's the best part of the film. That was. If there wasn't that, the film probably would have been worse. Like they did a really good job with him. So, <laughs> what else would it be like? Yeah, it's right. just it's just about a circus, bro. So I don't know. Weird. It's weird. Danny DeVito, I guess. Yeah. All right, guys. That is the end of the pod. There. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Feedback, response, reviews. Uh, N- not Nabil. Marco has some announcements here to make. Yes. Once again, just want to send another great thank you to at underscore mind your manners for the topic of the week. We really appreciate it, and we will get back to the rest of you as far as all the topics that you have submitted. And we also have the announcement of our winner for our giant original Funko Pop vinyl figure of Niffler himself from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The winner of the contest is at Sarah Crow Henderson. You are the winner of the giant Niffler, so congratulations. Congrats. Thank you for liking. Thank you for following us. We really appreciate it. We will make a formal announcement on our social medias. When this posts, yeah. By the time this posts, it, you should know already. Yes. We had and to mix it up a little bit. Uh, Nabil won the first three times on that thing. so we told I don't him, know why he submitted him, his name. He told but, him uh, quite a few times. Stop doing said that. said retweet. Yeah. I retweeted. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's actually dressed like a Niffler right now. but um, Actually, yeah. close. It's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mark, uh, how, can we, they, how can they reach us? You can reach us uh, through any of our various social media mediums on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at MoviePalsPod. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and now, of course, Spotify. So make sure to check us out on those mediums and subscribe to us. Thank you again, everyone who follows, shares, and mentions us. We appreciate every single one of you. We Love you from the bottom of our hearts. So much love. All right, guys. So tune in next time for episode number 46. We'll, we will be reviewing the new, I guess, reboot of Hellboy. 
So until then, this is James and Marco and Nabil. Have a good one.